Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you for the God that you are. We thank you for the word of God, Lord. Lord, I thank you for dying for my sin, Lord, on Calvary Cross. I remember way back, Lord, being so afraid back in Africa, Lord. And, Lord, you came through for me. You were a missionary that went and shared the gospel and a friend that came and told me about Jesus, Lord. I don't take it for granted, Lord. I humble myself in that presence, and I thank you. I Heavenly Father, tonight, Lord, I pray for what you have laid on my heart, Lord. I pray, Lord, that these dear people will hear from you and not from me, Lord. I thank you in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bible tonight, let's turn to the book of Philippians. Chapter 4, I kind of, during the COVID, did a Sunday school class, and it was one of the lessons that we didn't get to. So when pastor asked me, I said, oh, I can go through that. All right, so if you have your, <coughs> let's turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at the next five verses tonight. All right. I use my glasses off and on. I'm kind of half blind. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy, my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, odious, and beseech Sindiche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with the other, my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And so, my friend, tonight, we see Paul here. Paul is writing this letter from, from prison. All right? And it's amazing when you look at it that someone that is in prison is concerned about other people. And so, tonight, we're going to talk about loving your co laborers. My friend, you and I are here. We're here for one purpose and one purpose only, is to serve the Lord, co-laborers. And what I'm going to talk about tonight is being how we can hold together as one. Because united we stand, divided we fall. And it's true in the church also. For the short time I've been in this church, I've seen so many faces come and go. If all the people that came through those doors have stayed, we would need a bigger church. We'll probably have a mega church at this point in time. But it's not so. Little things tend to divide us and we go our ways. And that's why as co-liberals, I want us to look at tonight. There is probably not a word in the English language that is more used and less understood than the word, the word love. 
We love everyone from cars to our possessions, from wealth to work, from, to our house, our heritage. We, we like to think that we love everybody and everything. And yet, most have no idea what the word means. You know, and like, I love to watch American pickups. I love to see people with the old stuff and people not letting their stuff go. I watch it so much, I think I sin because I can just sit and bench, bench, uh, I call it, bench watch the whole thing, one after another, and I found a new channel that I would just let me go through it over and over. And I, at that time, my wife is so mad, she goes into the other room. <laughs> and so I like to watch all these old stuff, and people won't let old stuff go. They so love those old things. Like, you see a guy, he's almost like 100 years old, and like, you're going to sell this? No. I'm going to keep it. And guess what happened? After he passed, the kids come and they have no use for those things. And there are some other guys that would say, oh, I'm going to sell everything. My kids don't want it. I'm going to get rid of everything. So I love that show. I don't watch nothing else. Believe me. Nothing else but American pickups. I love it. I even watch the old ones over and over. <laughs> so that's the word love. We don't understand it. The word love is, is, is one of those words that we just throw all the time. We throw it around. Oh, I love this. I love that. I love you. I love this. Do we really mean it? The Greek language has three words for love. First is the word erox, which is defined as egotistical or selfish, the selfish kind of love. It is from this word that we get our English word erotic, which is a relationship to love. It's more lust than it's true love. You're lusting after things, and that's what it is. The second one is the word philo which is brotherly love. It is from the world which we get Philadelphia. Brotherly love. I don't know anything brotherly about that place, but my daughter was, i tell you a short story. My daughter was in college in Philly, in Philly I, and I and looked at every time I went there, I got a ticket. Every time I got a ticket. One time I got a ticket was over $350. And the last one that really pushed me over the edge, I went and my other daughter was there and she was doing Teach for America, so she was doing Trinity and I went to visit her. And, she, and I parked my car, level surface, I parked my car, and within 30 minutes I came back, oh, I had a ticket. And I, Why? The ton of parking spaces. I didn't park in an illegal space. The person that gave me the ticket claimed that my tire went over the line onto the sidewalk, so I was parked on the sidewalk. And I fought it and fought it and fought it. $250 later, I paid and gave up. <laughs> so I don't like that city. I don't, if it's called Philadelphia, brotherly love, I don't like it. I don't like Philly. And then my... Ola's daughter got married and she was living there. I had to go back to Philly. And I'm like, oh. after college, then I go back to Philly. Now she's out. I don't know if this is even better. She's, now she's in D.C., which is even worse. <laughs> so, my friend, this is brotherly love, Philadelphia. 
we show this kind of love to someone who in return will show us favor. I love you, you love me back, and it's all good. The third word is agape, which is this unselfish love, the love that gave with a desire for anything in return. It is kind of agape love that is used to describe God's love for us. If you have your Bible, look at Jeremiah 33, Jeremiah 31, 3. Jeremiah 31, 3. And it reads, The Lord had appeared of all unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn these. One of the more amazing facts to me about God is that he loves people and sent his only son to die for people. We will never love him back. Jesus Christ paid our penalty for the sins of the people. We will never ask for forgiveness and be saved. And Brother Tom Dillon and I was out on Saturday, and we experienced that. We met this gentleman, Babbitt, as his name, and we were with him for over 30 minutes. And this guy told us everything. He was a former police officer detective from the city of Bridgeport. And he told us everything, all the good things he's doing in Bridgeport. And he just went through and through and through. And we stood there, we listened. And finally, Brother Tom kind of turned it around and said, how about you? If you die, where are you going to go? And I'm young man, gentlemen look at us and say, oh, I'm going to heaven. And Brother Tom said, why so? Oh, because all my families are there. My dog and cats are in heaven also. So I'm going to heaven. And that was his answer. And when Brother Tom went through the process of leading him to the Lord, kind of got upset with us at the end. Yeah, I got to go. He's what kind of convicted. I got to go. But he took the track and he went. And if you remember for Babbitt, pray for him that he will get saved. He doesn't live too far from here. He's less than three miles from here. Just pray for him. Keep him in prayer. But those are people like that, my friend, that Jesus died for. We may not look at it from but Jesus died not just for you and I, but for the whole world. He died for Babbitt. He died for the guy that lived across the road. He died for those that we meet every day and, and we talk to them. Do you, do you mind if we talk to you and they tell us, no? Jesus died for them too. So, my friend, the Bible says plainly in Second Corinthians 5.15, and that he died for all. It is this agape love that Paul shows in Second Corinthians twelve fifteen, when he writes to the unlovable Corinthian church. And it and it reads, and I would very gladly spend and be spent for you, that the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. How we need this unselfish love in our church today, my friend. 
among God's people. The devil is out to divide God's people and bring a split to the church body. Remember when Brother Malone, Mahoney was here the last time and we had the, that revival meeting. And, and he asked a question, do you want to be a snake fool? You don't want to be, no, he said, you don't want to be a snake, snake fool, right? And the third part, he had three parts to, to that question. And the third one of how a snake will, we can become a snake fool. And the third one was, um, you have a poisonous snake and it has venoms. And that thing spray on you. And, it, and the snake let you go. Because eventually you're going to die. And that's what it is, my friend. We get a poison of venom in our body and we spray it. We spray, we come to the church and every little thing takes us off. And we spread it amongst people. And we try to divide the church. My friend, the co-laborer, we try to divide. And that's how I sit and split us. So there's something that will not make you mad, like the color of the room will even get you mad. Why did the pastor paint this color? Why was the, why are they having the um, Thanksgiving dinner in the auditorium? We fail to realize the church is us, you and myself, and not this building. When this church started, when I first came here, and those that have been here for a long time, we were at a CBI building. That was a commercial building. And we were meeting there as Christian, right? We were having a church service there. When we got through, they took the chairs out, and it became a, an office space. So the church is not placed. Nothing to get mad at because... You want to have something in here, just a building. The church is you and the church is me. You know? But we get mad about all these little things. And we see, my friend, thus, Paul once again addresses this subject and warns these believers of the need to love their co laborers. You and I are co laborers, we are not enemies. We are here for one purpose and one purpose only. Is to serve the Lord and bring glory to his name and not to ourselves. So don't allow little things to get you going. Just little things. When it's doctrinal, hey, go at it. If it's doctrinal and the pastor is telling us something else from this book that is not in this book, then go at it. But if it's, we have a dinner and Miss Joanne didn't, she put, Butter on that side, and the bread is over here. The little things that get people going. So we have to be careful, my friend. So if you have your prayer, if you have your bulletin with you, we look. Let's look at the first verse of Philippians four one. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long and long for my joy, my crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So that first blank is beware of an undermining spirit. First one. Beware of an undermining spirit. Like I just read, therefore my brethren, my dear my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crime. Stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. We see here Paul addresses co liberal my brethren, my dearly beloved, the one I long for, my joy, my crime. Stand fast, my dearly beloved. What an exaltation 
and upliftment for his fellow co-laborers. When we cannot exalt one another in the law, we learn ourselves to honor mining spirit. We quickly go in the negative route. We quickly, my friend. And then we start the little talk here, the little talk there. Someone once said, gossip is never about ideas. There is something about our human nature that tends to be critical of other people. We're always critical of other people. Someone once said also, keep a fair-sized cemetery in your backyard, which is to bury the faults of your friends. So have a cemetery there. If I wrong you today, oh, Jacob came to church. He didn't speak to me. Go home, bury it, and come back. Let's do the work of God. Let's do the work of God, my friend. Bury it in your backyard. We need that room. The hardest thing to take and the easiest thing to give are the same thing. Criticism. How do you take criticism? We all don't take it very well, but we're quick to teach it out to other people. When we're giving it, we love it. But when other people give it, we don't accept it easily. So, my friend, we need to be careful. We need to be careful. And we see in Philippians, poison. He just didn't start condemning his people. He just didn't start condemning them. But he exalted them. He lifted them up. I'm sure he prayed for them. Do we, my friend, if someone wronged you, do you go home and pray for them? Do you lift them up? And the next time you see them on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, do you speak to them? Or you try to go the other way when you see them coming this way? No, my friend. We must lift up one another. We're in this together. We're in this together. We are co-laborers. We're in this together. We must work at it. We must work at it. For those of us who are saved and have a commonality between us, my friend, in the law, thus, we need to exist among God's people. We need to have that love to exist as God's people. Love for one another, love for, love for other, let me say that word. Love for other Christians is an indication that a person is truly born again. If you have love for another person, John 3.14, First John 3.14, I mean, tell us that we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. In fact, John is very blunt about this matter. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? First John 4.20 We must be careful not to merely say the right thing, but live of that love towards others. My friend, if you love something, you protect it. And like I tell you about American Pickers, every time I watch that show, they are, I see these guys when they love something, they put it in a glass case. 
and it's there. No one can touch it. And if you love someone, that's how you treat them. And my friend, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how we ought to love. We in this together, like I said before. Love for one another is the greatest testimony we have for Christ in this world, according to John 13. Let's turn to that verse, John 13, John chapter 13, 34 and 35. Usually I have, a, I have bad eyes, so I, I cheat and put my verses on the paper instead of just reading it like other people. Come on, eyes is real bad. So let's turn to John 13, please. The book of John. Verses 34 and 35. And a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are mine disciples, and if ye have love one to another. And that's how the world going to know, my friend. But if you and I go out there fighting, and the world will still look at them, we will not be a true example of Jesus Christ. We will not, my friend. So we need to love one another. We are in this together, like I said, we co-labor. We must love one another as, liberal, as we labor together. It is uh, our home and our church can be a symphony as long as God is the conductor. We, we must be in tune with Christ if we, want to be, uh, if we want to be in harmony with each other. Let's turn to Proverbs 16, 7, please. Proverbs 16, 7. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's way pleases the Lord, he maketh even his enemy to be at peace. When a man's way pleases the Lord, he maketh even his enemy to be at peace. That means if your way pleases the Lord, that means you are in, the, in God's divine will, right? That means you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And not just by name. If a brother and sister call you tonight, or call me tonight, when I pick up that phone, when I see that phone ringing at 2 a.m. in the morning, that's the kind of love we ought to have, my friend. You pick up that phone and ask and see what they want. You pick up that phone. When a man ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemy to be at peace with him. It has been said a river can become powerful, my friend. A river can become powerful, so powerful because many drafts of water have learned the secret, the secret of cooperation. All that water, they drip and they work together and they become powerful. And that's, as believers, that's how we ought to be, my friend. United. United. And that's what Paul was preaching to the, to the church at Philippi. 
That's what Paul was doing. You know, what a powerful impact our lives and our church will have on this world if we will learn that same secret as the drop of water coming together and becoming more powerful as the former river. And you know the power of water. That takes us to verse 2. Let's go back to Philippians 4.2. In that verse, we, I beseech you, Odious, and I beseech syndicate case. I, I try to remember this so bad. <laughs> that they be of the same mind in the Lord. So here we have two sisters in the church. So probably someone may have written Paul while he was in prison that there was a problem. And the only thing I could think of is back in Africa, I went to a church that was founded by a missionary from here. So let's say the missionary came back in deputation and they heard somebody wrote and they heard something was going on. And imagine the missionary write, writes a letter like we just heard from this missionary. And your name get mentioned. Would you want your name to be mentioned in a negative sense or a positive sense? But from what we read from this verse, these two people, like they were not getting along. There was something going on between them. And so Paul writes, and I beseech you, you audience, and I beseech you, Sinister, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. My friend, we cannot walk together as that would be of the same mind in the Lord. And that's what we must, my friend. That's what we must remember. We're not in this for ourselves. We're in it to glorify God. He made you. When you got saved, it's to give him the glory. The glory is not you. You're not here that if you did something and the pastor didn't tell you thank you, you get angry. And you leave the church. It happens. It happens here. There were people that left when this building was built because they didn't get they didn't get that glory, so they left. And I also remember I don't know the verse in the scripture right now, but I remember when we opened this this portion of this building, the pastor that preached that the visiting pastor that preached that day, he remember he says something that always stuck with me. That when Solomon built the temple, that these things called chapters, I think they are called in Scripture, and these things were beautiful. And these things were not seen by, the, by eyes. They were pointing out to heaven. Only God saw them. Not the Irish person. And he preached on that. And the message was, if by any reason you did something for the word of God, don't wait for a thank you. God sees it. God knows. You got a pastor that didn't tell you thank you. Don't get mad. You're doing it for God. You're not doing it for him. You're doing it for God and not for the pastor, not for anyone in here. And then forget. We are co-laborers. We must work together. And look, it's easy said and done, but if you want to get it off your chest, 
You come and you tell the person, and I'm done with it. I said it. I'm done. And move on. But most times we dwell on the same thing over and over, forgetting our whole duty while we are here. While we are here, my friend. The Spirit of God grieves when an upset spirit prevails. Ephesians 4.30, if you have your Bible, turn there, please. And it, and it reads, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And this great verse that we sing to the kids all the time. Be ye calm one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake have forgiven you. So often there is a dis, there is a disagreement. We are all quick to react in anger. We are all quick to react in anger, my friend. Proverbs twenty six twenty one. As coal are to a burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Brothers and sisters, anger is is just one letter coming what? If you add a D to anger, what do you get? You get danger. You get danger. So we ought to be careful, my friend. You know, we quit like, that's how I am, and we burst off into flame. You get danger. Jim asked and then answered his own question in the book of Jim 4.1. From whence come wars and fighting amongst you? Come they not hence, even of your locks, a war in your members? My friend, at the heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. At the heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. We have to guard our heart. This heart always wants to rule quickly. Self wants to take us over. And that's a big problem. That's a big problem, my friend. And then the little thing someone says to us, we are all on fire. They need me. I don't need them. I'm leaving. You know, one thing I, my wife and I always talk about is we can go to work and people say mean things to us, yell at us, do all kinds of stuff. To, and we take it. But when it comes to God's house, somebody says something, you don't like it, I'm out of here. And people leave. Or people come and they don't want to speak. I did that, I did this, and I didn't get anything. thank you. We ought to be careful, my friend. We ought to be careful. The book of James 3, verses 14 to 16. But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Are you angry with someone today or at odds with someone today? Every movement, we are angry, we lose a meaning of joy. When you should be happy, 
you're angry. Do you want that? Do you want that, my friend? No, we don't. That brings us to the third point B. Let's look at verse 3. It reads, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with the other, my fellow laborers, whose names are in a book of life. Whose names are in a book of life. My friend, what a joy to have your name in the book of life. Paul is admonishing those Christians not to forget the things that are, that other have done for them. Selfish pride, contention can cause us to be so ungrateful. If you don't have a, if you don't have a gratitude attitude, you just have an attitude, my friend. D.L. Moody once said, "Be careful, my friend, for nothing. Be prayerful, and in everything, my friend, be thankful." According to First Thessalonians five eighteen. My friend, many times we are not thankful, we are not grateful for what other people are doing. Instead, we criticize them. Is someone doing something? Learn from them. If you went out with somebody and hired a witness and you want to be like them, don't criticize them. Learn from them. Ask God to help you. Because, why? We are in this together. We are co-laborers, and we must learn to love one another. If we learn to love one another, you know, we sing a song with the kids in First John 3, 4, 7, and 8. Beloved, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. My friend, how can we say we're Christian and we have all against our brother? We walk around like he did that to me. I'm not listening to that anymore. Or she did that. Or oh, she's in our class. I'm not going there. You miss up on the blessings of God. We should learn, my friend, to remember that we are co-laborers. We in this together. It's not for the pastor. Because one day, my friend, when you stand before God, we all have to give an account. Ecclesiastes tells us that, right? Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Yes, we have to give an account, my friend. Let us, my friend, take time to be holy. Let's spend more time with him. And we will develop a grateful heart. The more time you spend with God, the less you have to think of yourself. The more time with God, the less you think of yourself. A child of God ought to be characterized by a grateful heart. At all times, be grateful for everything. Most times we, we think we're entitled. And so we react. That bring us to the last Look at the next verse, verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. 
And it reads, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. My friend, Paul now declared his theme of this letter, always rejoicing. If no one has the right to rejoice, a Christian does, my friend. Why? Because your name is written in the land book of life. My friend, all these things in the world means nothing. Because you, my friend, and me, we are going to spend eternity with him. And like we always like to ask the kids, what is eternity? Is it tomorrow? Is it one day? Is it two days? Is it three days? No, it's forever and ever and ever. Your name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. Deuteronomy 33:29. Happy are thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord. You are, we are saved by the Lord, my friend. And that is happiness. That brings us happiness. Psalm 144.15 Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yeah, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Whose God is the Lord. God is our Lord, my friend. And that Something for us to rejoice in. Rejoice in the Lord always when you say. That's what you have to do, my friend. Psalm 144, 146.5, I mean. Happy is he that hath a God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord of his God. Whose hope is in the Lord of his God. We may not always be able to rejoice in every circumstance, my friend. But we can always rejoice in our resources. The Apostle Paul was discouraged about his thorn in his flesh. And he said, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. 2 Corinthians 12, 8. His circumstances were less than his desirable than his desirable need, my friend. But it was made difficult for him to rejoice. But notice what he learned through his, through this experience. As he relates in the next two verses. He said, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities. My friend, what is stating here? My friend, there would be a difficult time in our lives, but just thinking on the fact, thinking on the fact that God is by our side. He will see us through. He's the same God on the mountain, and he's the same God in the valley. And he will always be. So when those, evil, when those dark days come your way, my friend, 
He hasn't forgotten you. He still loves you. And my friend, as a body of believers, as a body of believers, when we co-labor together, we become a support system for one another through the Lord. We should never forget that. But how can you call? How can I call you to pray for me when I'm at odd with you for some stupid little thing that two weeks, a month, a year from now, whenever you and I remember? Like, if I had a fight with my wife and two weeks later, we don't even know what we were fighting about. You know, something like that. My friend, as believers, we must be careful. We should always rejoice. Paul would have chosen a different circumstance, but he found that the resources that were available to him as a result of his circumstance was something he wouldn't trade for anything. Thus, he welcomed the adverse circumstances in order to obtain more of God's resources. Whatever our circumstances today, my friend, rejoice. It's amazing what praising can do when you praise God. You lift him up and gradually you go down and your problem will just ease into him. Remember Paul said, for he must increase and I must decrease, my friend. Don't we sing a chorus here that says, what pray, rejoice is amazing what praising can do. I think we do. I think it's a new one. I don't know it. I can't sing it, but I know we do sing it here. So, my friend, let us keep praising the Lord. Don't let anybody steal your joy from you. Don't let. Do not little things. And like, like the dear brother said the last time, I took that message to heart so much. Don't be a snake fool. Don't be the snake is smart. It will get you. But my God, you have a God that is greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. All we remember that. That brings us to, to five. Let's look at verse five. That's the two parts of that verse. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Here, my friend, moderation has the connotation of forbearing or forgiveness. Learn to forgive. Learn to forgive. We all must learn that. We all suffer from it. Notice, it is something that we have to exhibit to all men. We must exhibit it to all men. We have no control over other people's actions. We don't. But we do have something to say about our own reaction, how we react. And it is often our reaction that gets us into trouble. And I say it all the time. You're driving down the road, somebody cut you off, 
that person is long gone, forgotten about you, and you're still angry. And some people even get stupid and they go after them. Now you're reacting. Now your reaction is going to get you into trouble. So let us be careful. In the same way, my friend, let that moderation, that forgiving heart, show it to all men, especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Guess what? I have a God at work. He's a professing believer, and I always talk to him. And the other day he came in, we were talking something. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. He went on. I said, Bobby, you have no choice. If you say if I'm saved, we're going to spend eternity together. We've got to start learning to get along, you know, because we're going to be somewhere together. <laughs> and it's for eternity. It's not for one day. You know, so, my friend, let's have a forgiving heart. If somebody wrong you, if somebody do something to you, talk to them. Talk to them, my friend. We could all picture ourselves in Peter's shoe as he asked the Lord a question in Matthew 18, 21. Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? There are 70 times. But I wonder if we can picture ourselves in the Lord's answer and in a story he tells to illustrate his point in Matthew 18. Let's turn to Matthew 18. It's a long story, but... Won't read the whole thing. Let's turn to Matthew 18 quickly, please. Starting from verses 22. Just to refresh our memory of that story. Forgiving others. That's what it says in my Bible. And Jesus. Say unto him, I say not unto thee, unto seven times, seven times, but unto seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king, who would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon one was brought unto him, which owe him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay his Lord, commanded him to be so, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. And my friend, you know this story. And that king forgave him. He forgave that servant. All that he owed him, his wife, his children, were all going to be so. He forgave him. But then what he did, he went down the road. He met another servant. I owe him few pennies. And he was not kind to him. He grabbed him. He paid pay me now. The God begged him. And he refused. He threw him in. And the news got back to the, to the king. My friend, is that how we are? We want to be forgiven, but not to forgive others? No, my friend. You cannot allow that to happen, my friend. We are in this together. We are in this together, my friend. 
we should always remember Jesus Christ when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do in Luke 23. When he chose to forgive many down through the century and have in turn given their lives to him. Perhaps today, if you would choose to forgive those who are odds with you, who knows? They might turn back to you. They might be friends again. Oh, that person, that person and I could never be friends again. You don't know. Forgive, my friend. Forgiving is a good thing. It makes you sleep good too. Knowing that. Forgive. Let's look at the last part. Beware of, a, beware of an unexpected spirit. In that verse, if you look at the bottom of, the, of verse 5, and it said there, oh, I changed mine. Let me cheat. In verse 5, it said in the last sentence, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. There is nothing that will cause us to be in the right relationship with other any more than the acknowledgement of the fact that our Father may be coming at any moment. At any moment, God could come again, my friend. Do you want to be in an unforgiving spirit when he shows up? No. Do you want to be at peace with everyone? Yes. We must live with that awareness at all times. Some might wonder if the promise to return to us is really going to be fulfilled. After all, didn't he say he would come quickly back to us? My friend, we must remember that God is coming back. Our Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And as believers, we must always be in good standing when he returns. Do you want to be mad at your brother and sister when the Lord's return to you? And then I'd rather you meet him in heaven. I don't think we'll remember there, but... Oh, you. Yeah, you made it, huh? Yeah, I made it too. So let's be careful. Let's be careful, my friend. We are co-laborers. If you don't get anything tonight, just remember we are co-laborers. And we're not here because of the pastor... You're not here because of Jacob. You're not here because of the Sunday school teacher. You're here because of what God did for you on Calvary Cross when he gave his life. That is more important. And don't let anybody steal that joy from you, my friend. Don't let anyone steal that joy. Remember, you have that joy deep down in your heart that we were sing with the kids. You know, don't let anyone steal it from you. Because Christ is coming again. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. Second Peter 3. Eight. You see, earlier in the chapter, in the same chapter, Apostle addresses this question of his return in Second Peter 3 verses 3 to 7. The fact that man is scoffed 
and say, yeah, he's not coming back. But you and I know he's coming back. He is coming back, my friend. He is coming back. We see all around us this world we live in. My friend, no government has the answer. He is coming back. And I hope it could be tonight. You know, I hope it could be tonight, tomorrow. He got to lose, my friend. Let him come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We don't know, but we need to be prepared. It's like your parents leaving you at home with, at a house, and they should be home anytime. You want to have that house in order. You want to have everything in place, like mom left it. The dishes are clean and everything clean. You vacuum and everything. That's how we ought to be always ready for Christ's return, my friend. Always ready for Christ's return. He's going to keep his promise. He's going to come. Let us not get weary. He's going to come, my friend. He's going to come. And as co-laborers, let us go out there. Let no one stop us. Let not anything. Paul was sitting in jail when he wrote that letter. He was not giving up on people. Especially in our verse 2, he told us to get along, get going for the Lord. No disagreement. No disagreement, my friend. So tonight, that's the little thing that God laid on my heart. We are co-liberal. Let us love one another. Let love one another. If you're doing something and you're doing it good, that shouldn't be criticizing or jealous of you. You're doing it for the Lord. I should learn if I want to be like you. Or not even look at you. Look at him. Have that vertical relationship with him. Ask him. There are many people out there that slam those in our faces every time we go. And there are some that will answer us when we go out there. And before I take my seat, there's one guy that I know we talked to last as we're about on that same street. He's, he's a racer. He raced car. And i like, if anybody needs a lawyer, it's you. But i like, I don't have time. I'm not ready for this. And my friend, those are the people God died for them too. Jesus died for them. We cannot write them off. We cannot write them off. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. As co-liberals, Lord, let us be careful not to become a snake fool. He's out there, Lord, seeking whom he may devour, Lord. You want us to be separated, Lord. But my Father, I thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for our pastor. I thank you for each and every member of this church, Lord. I lift them up to you. May we go out there as co-liberals, Lord. May we love one another. Because if we don't love our brothers and sisters we have seen, Lord, we cannot love you. So, my Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy towards us, Lord. Bring us back safely on Saturday, on Sunday, Lord, to continue your work. I pray now, Lord, as we go, we pray for 
your hedge of protection upon us on the road, Lord. In Christ's name I pray and ask. Amen.